Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Military Mindset for Business podcast, where I have Nat Coco from Willow's Branding joining me today. Now, it's great to get someone else other than an Army person or an ex-Army person on board. So, Nat, uh, welcome to MMFB. Thanks, buddy. It's cracking. Nice to chat today. Now, now we've sort of swum in the same circles through business networking groups and you know, touch base, and and lately we've been talking a lot more about you know the veteran community business chamber and you know and supporting some of the work there. But let's go right back to the start of your military journey. And can you share with us like what made you join and where did you join from and what did you do? And just so that yeah, introduce us to Nat's story with the Navy. Yeah, cool. Well, <clears throat> it starts way back before I could even remember until a memory came up. So I was about 11 years old and in school, like you do like all these storybooks and things like that. And I don't remember what the storybook was about, but at the back it said about the author. And at the back of the uh, the book, it had like a little photo of me in my school uniform, like sitting all like up and straight. And it said I wanted, uh, I said that I wanted to be, I think something along the lines of a a personal trainer uh, for the military or something like that. Now, that memory kind of skips. Like I don't recall writing that, but I, I clearly wrote that and put that in the book. So that kind of sat there for a little bit. And then it wasn't until I think it was about 15, 16, I, we did a, like a day tour in Brisbane on one of the ships and had a bit of a tour. Again, that kind of lapsed my memory as well of doing that per se. Like it didn't really like, it didn't link back to that story from when I was 11. And so I started going through the process of applying to be in the Navy. For me, the Navy was something that being on the water, just it feels like at home for me. Um, so that kind of is why the Navy. So I don't need to sleep in the dirt like you guys. So <laughs> just have a little dig there. Yeah, so I yeah I went through the process in year end of year ten and start of year eleven and started to go through that process to get ready to join the navy. So, um, well, that's actually that's pretty early, you know, like year ten or eleven. I was you know barely grown up enough to, like I, I don't know, but like literally I was nowhere near mature enough to join the the military services at that age. Like it's funny mm-hmm. you mentioned about the eleven year old. Because I actually found myself, I, ha- I found a little book, like a little picture book called My Adventures in World War II uh, that I did when I was 11. Oh. And then I went to join the military when I was about 18, a little bit older. But unfortunately, my alternate lifestyle at the time probably wasn't going to you know, um, be conducive <laughs> to the military ethic at that time. And it, I didn't join until I was 30. So wow. 17-year-old young woman or so-ish. Pardon? 17 or so when you joined, 17, 18? Yeah, so I joined just a couple of months after turning 18. Yeah, wow. Um, and what was that shift like? Because which part of the world did you grow up in? Well, I'm a bit of a gypsy, so no plays for longer than four years, and that kind of still stands true. So that kind of links to moving around with the military as well. Um, what was your question again, Pete? Oh, yes. Yeah. So which part of the world did you come from to make the shift into the Navy? Gotcha. So um, where I reside now, uh, Fraser Coast in Harvey Bay. So that's where I was at the time before um, going down to Victoria um, at the age of 18, pretty much, you know, four months after finishing school. So I 
joined, I went down there with like shorts and singlets because that's all I kind of owned into the Victorian weather. So thank goodness they provided the uniforms and even the shoes and the socks and everything that you can name like that. So um, they got me prepared for the cold weather. <laughs> you can imagine. Um, and how many years did you do? So I did just uh, four and a half years, Pete. Yeah. So that's, that's quite a long time and a really, you know, a powerful time in your life to form you know, a lot of your ideas around the world and experiences like, um, look, I don't know much about the Navy, but is there ship time in there? Do you get to go sail the Blue Seas? Um, that's a really picturesque way to explain it. But uh, the time that I had the first 18 months I spent training because I was in a technical role. So that, that journey was spent a lot of time in Cerberus um, back in 2009, 2010. So from there, there was then the posting choices of, uh, I think there was Cairns, Sydney and Perth, and I'd never been to Perth before. So I was posted over there for my first posting. It was a bit of a funny story as to why I chose Perth. Um, I think it was just didn't like Sydney. Cairns was too hot and yeah, never been to Western Australia. So that's kind of what triggered going over there. Um, and then I was posted to a ship pretty quickly. So my first warship was HMS Arunta 151. So that was, it's definitely not like a cruise ship and things are a little bit different now. I've, I've not been on one for a long time, but um, so yeah, I guess the the journey of going on there, my first encounter of going onto a ship, because of course they stir shit with the new people was that, uh, you know, go get a bucket of steam or go get a left-handed screwdriver. And, and I was just like, can't do that for you. And so it was just like being in a, a category with all men was a different, definitely a different experience as well. What was the population mix, um, gender mix on the ship? Oh, you're testing the waters now, but I think out of where I was so... The mess I slept in was like 15 women, but the um, the stokers, I think, I don't know, there'd be like 35 men to two women or something like that. Yeah, yeah. so stoke, that was your trade? Was it a stoker? Yeah, marine technician at the time. Does that mean like a, like an engine mechanic? In, is that yeah, what that, is that? like, slot, uh, you know, fix all the nuts and bolts and uh, that that's probably just... They're probably like the stokers are probably listening to it right now and be like, <laughs> oh, that's not exactly what we do, but um, keep the ships running in that respect, like the engines and the, the shitter systems, even the laundry intact, the generators, reverse osmosis, like so changing seawater into drinkable water as well. So, gotcha. So, one of these roles is down in the, in the heart of the ship, not necessarily sitting on the sun deck and you know, getting a tan on top like the rest of the Navy. No, not like the greenies. So. <laughs> So like it's a pretty so okay we've got a, we've got a young woman now that's um you know that's joined the military um, in Perth I love the decision making of youth you know like mm, don't like Sydney Kansas too hot Perth seems like a good fit let's just do that you know like yeah just wing it you. no I love it um, you know my only experience with Navy apart from a few visits to ships on a while in port was I had the dubious pleasure of being part of embarked forces on HMAS Canimbla for what's called an exercise talisman saver. Oh, yeah. And being part of an embarked forces company on one of those old um, group carrying ships was so super not cool um, because I think it was a 16 or 17 days at sea. Is and that all? 
the first 11 or 12 days we did submarine evasion um oh, yeah. now if you're if you're embarked for if if you're embarked forces i an army guy on a navy ship you don't really have that big a role in submarine evasion so we were basically locked in not, not locked but stuck into the bowels of the ship in i think it was sea state four or five and i don't even really know what that means but it was you could not walk on a straight line on the ship up down left right it was anyway after a, after a, walking on I the ceiling the, was that the sorry bulkhead. walking on the oh, bulkheads i i remember the first day being a young platoon commander i had all these activities and you know that i'd get the soldiers to do for the next sort of 15 16 days you know that we'll get some training in and you know being the uh a young thrusting leader that I was, but I think after the first day, I was just like, right, can everyone just please not get in trouble for 10 days and I'll see you in 10 days and let's just, uh, let's just, you know, Did you have your head in a bucket of throwing up the whole time or? I personally wasn't sick, but the hundred of us that were in the size of a quarter of a basketball court stacked four bunks deep, I reckon there was at least 50 people sick on that ship, so it wasn't oh, pleasant. Yeah. Anyway, good old Pongos, army boys, and army boys and girls on ships. Mm. Um, so four and a half years or so, you, you, um, you do your time and you ended up transitioning out of, um, you ended up transitioning out of the military, not necessarily under your control or choice? No. So my, my career was cut short due to medical conditions, which was unfortunate um, through the process of, yeah, had an accident on a warship. So... There's more to the story, but like, you know, to keep it at that, basically, um, yeah, that that turned into being medically discharged um, for that reason. And it's interesting, Pete, because I, I did have a an opportunity or scope to stay in, but not going to sea and, <clears throat> and being offered a promotion in the role that I was in. But from a, you know, from a hindsight of the perspective of the age that I'm at now compared to back then, being promoted, not having enough sea time and, and staying in and not going to sea just didn't make sense for me personally at the age of, you know, in my early 20s. So in that respect, there's a, you know, that catch 22, I could, I could have stayed into a certain period of time, but it would have been limiting in those career choices and things like that. So I graciously took on board the advice and went down the path of transitioning out to a civilian it's an interesting time because eh? you know even though you know, four and a half years doesn't seem like a long time it, it's effectively you know, half of your adulthood or you know a massive component in terms of determining how much do you feel you know that navy experience you know changed you for better or worse moving into the you know into your 20s as a civilian Mm, definitely not in my 20s anymore, but in the early stages of transitioning, I think, <clears throat> you know, the, the fact that from such a young age, you know, from 11 or even younger, having that sense of, I was brought up in a strict household as well, so that helps. I think it, it, it carries through into being a civilian and seeing the chaos of the civilian world. And I'm not saying it's completely like that, but from my perspective, the structure, uh, where to be, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. And all those sorts of things, like those things still carry through to me today. Um, and so I think, you know, that 
that military mindset, like we're a weird bunch of fuckers really, aren't we? Like, you know, who's crazy enough to do that stuff? Well, we are and it seems normal. Um, so that's been a challenge being a civilian again. It's interesting you say that, you know, because it is a unique group of people that leave home, leave their friends and go do something that is uh, like, because you really, even if you've got a partner or a family, you do join the military by yourself. Um, You know, obviously with those with partners and family, bring them along for the journey, but it's something that, you know, for the for the majority of people that who are single, leaving home, leaving your family, leaving your friends, uh, and then going into this this new world with, you know, adventure and risk and excitement and danger. It's um, it's it's a really strange thing when you get out and then go back to that world and and you see you know, the lack of rigidity and structure and you know just the sort of freestyle manner. It's painful of how we, to see it. Yeah, <laughs> in line. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting that, you know, talking about risk of, you know, like when you join, there's that risk of doing it. I think, you know, I was I had just turned 18 when I joined. And so it wasn't a risk. I just did it. Like there's no thought of risk. There's no thought of the dangers. There's just, there's no thought of that sort of process at the time. And even now, like I do love adrenaline and things like that. So like, you know, shooting a rifle is just like sick, right? Like, um, I only got gel blasters now, but that kind of mindset, I don't know. I don't know if it's scary or risky. It's just something that you do and you enjoy it and you make a different group of, you know, your oppos or your mates and some of them stay with you. And um, if you ever run into them or even if someone you've not served with, it, there's definitely an instant rapport that comes with that and um, transitioning that into say like civilian life and now into business, it's, that's another fascinating journey mm. to explore. I, I want to get to the business bit very yeah. shortly, but I just want to unpack a little bit about transition because one of the things I've been really thinking about lately is, is uh, friendships and colleagues and professional relationships both in the military and then outside of the military. Okay. And the fact that we've, we've only been really connected in the last maybe year or two However, because you are an ADF member, Australian Defence Force member, because you served, that's an instant connection and a bond that we can hold quite dearly, despite everything else that's different about us. I think one of the things with military is you always have your next course, your next posting, your next ship or unit, and you basically get hand-fed a new group of mates. Um, And then you go and meet your new mates uh, and you have a great time with them and then then it's on to the next one, next deployment, next course, mm. next unit, next ship. And we keep getting these new groups of mates. And and it's really, um, you know, some some of my best friends, I don't think my wife partner's ever met before. She probably never even heard their name. But when I connect with them, it's super powerful. But when you leave, your mates keep moving on to the next course, the next ship. But you yep. get sort of left in a, a point where it's not spoon-fed to you anymore. Did you have any, how was your transition experience? Was it positive or no, was, it, was it rough? Because it not everyone has bad transitions. I think it was a bit of a combination for both. Like, you know, the, the terms that I left on were, so when I say not on my terms, it wasn't the way I had, you know, saw myself leaving. I, you know, I was going to be a lifer, so mm. I thought. So I guess that was, you know, one of the challenging things to, work through and 
there's a term that they use for it is um can't come to mind but basically the challenge of unknown horror the actual challenge of leaving was difficult because of that I guess you could say at the time the identity that I had attached to being in the military so that was really challenging to and even to this day I still work through that kind of thing and um you know there's a part of me that's really still connected to that way of life and so you know bringing that into the now the benefits of leaving is that I get to serve my country and my people in a different way and in a very different way from what I had thought about when I was you know 16 17 18 and and going through that process of joining so now I get to speak to more and more people and connect with people more frequently so you know that's the benefit of having a civilian life where there's a lot more consistency in in the people that you can choose to surround yourself but it wasn't initially like that when I left it was you know the conditions were a little bit different but yeah. that's where i've come to now i want to give an amen out there to uh still serving you know it's something that like you know for those with the military mindset you basically join to surf um you know there's there, there are personal reasons of course but you, i don't think you can go into that career or that workplace without some sense of service or attachment to greater good Mm. Uh, which is really infused into every fibre of your being when you're you're in a ship or in a unit. Or mm. um, so we've got a gap here because you're you know you're a, uh, a successful entrepreneurial woman now. You've got a great business, Willow's Branding. But I, did you have entrepreneurial or small business inclination from a young age, or where where did that spark come from? Yeah, I think I was fortunate in the sense that I had family members in business throughout that time. And I think about the age of seven, I was selling my plaster of Paris to my neighbours, you know, from Christmas, my Christmas presents and then selling it to them and them obliging to, you know, purchase it. So, you know, I guess in essence, yes, that it's definitely been there. It's an area that I've definitely wanted to explore for a long time. And I only really started you know, a couple, you know, just a couple of years ago. So it's definitely been ingrained and, I actually started my own clothing. My sister and I started our own clothing brand because I didn't want to pay retail prices for that. So that in itself is, again, that entrepreneurial mindset where it's like, well, I can do this better. So I'm going to go down that path. So yeah, definitely it's been there and the spark or the the flame started to show a couple of years ago when I started to own the fact that this is what I was going to what I was going to explore with my life now. One of the things that I like to unpack is, you know, how business journeys get created. And a lot of people don't transition immediately from the military into a business. Did you work for a few years before you kicked Willows off or was it something you kicked off straight out of seven? No. Uh, so there's a lot of rehabilitation uh, in between the leaving and now. So. It's yeah, it's not something that I jumped straight into. In regards to the like the clothing brand sort of thing, yes, I did that to sort of keep myself um, from going insane. <laughs> something to do. Yep. Now, so tell us about Willow's branding. It's you and your sister. Where did the um apart from you know wanting to not pay retail, how did this thing change from being a hobby or a side gig into the thing that you're doing now? Because that's a big shift. Hmm. 
So I guess the transition or like the shift that happened from like the hobby state into going into sole trader and now, you know, company proprietary limited. So back in 2019, um, my beautician, she had her, she's got her own brand and she, her own brand and own messaging. And she was talking about these shirts and she needed more done and asked if I could do them because she knew that I did it. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can do that. So it was just like, yep, no worries. I'll help you out. And then uh, 10 shirts turned into 150 and I thought, holy shit, like, you know, I only do this as a, as a hobby, so to speak. So there was that. So still treating it as a hobby. And then I guess the, the real shift was in, what year are we in? 2023. 23. Yeah, I had to think about that. Yeah, so two years ago, I still was treating it as a hobby, even though I hired business coaches because I was doing something with my life. I still wasn't sure and maybe still I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, that was the, I don't know, It's it's been a, you know, chat, if I'm transitioning out of the, the military into civilian life, fine. And then going from hobby state into business. And like you said, like that is a bit of a shift. Like what's, you know, what makes a difference there? I'm going to start getting paid for what I do now rather than just doing it for, you know, at the cost of the product. So it's definitely an eye-opener, Pete. Like you, you're someone, um, like to be honest, my style is like, to be honest, pretty bland, you know, white T-shirt, black cap, because, you know, I wear that mm. 90% of the time. You've actually got style and a bit of pizzazz, a bit of, bit of nouse about you. It, was it this attachment to style and, you know, creativity that led you into this? Are you, and you able to express any of that through your designs? Um, yeah, I guess so. Like, I've just reached across here. So, like, I take the compliment that I'm stylish, but I feel like I'm a pretty plain Jane most of the time. I think I do. Anyone, who, anyone who knows that knows she's not like that. You've been far too humble. Yeah, when you walk into a room, everybody knows you're in the room. And not just by your presence, but, you know, you're, you're, you're a cool chick. Oh, sometimes I wear two different colour shoes now. <laughs> Um, so the, the, like, are you asking if I'm like inspired by the, like the process of being creative and putting that into designs or like, what's yeah. the, what's the essence there? Yeah. Look, so like, you've got a way that you present yourself and now you've gone into like clothing is like, is sure. being able to express that from a fashion perspective, because like for me, I wouldn't really know how to express my brand into the oh, okay. part of our business. So do you enjoy that part of, you know, the fashion and being creativity and getting into you know, the things that people mm. you know, present themselves with? Okay, yeah, I understand now. Well, I've never really said that I'm in the fashion industry, right? I normally just say I brand shit, but I've been taught to, like, say that, you know, I support people through X, Y, and Z and expressing things like that. So I guess in that, uh, the presentation of, the fashion or the creativity it's it's been a um a journey to be able to do that like you know wearing a pink headband and and you know my mum made this jacket for me and we picked out the material and it's linen so it's breathable so there's definitely like the fashionable element there and then what I guess the the main part of the creativity that I like to explore with other people is what are other people looking to express and how can we as a team support that expression and 
predominantly through a uniform, but it's not just a uniform, it's a representation of why someone started something in the first place. So I guess the creative process and the expression comes down to who we're working with at the time. And yes, we present ourselves a certain way. Like my sister is like, sometimes we look like twins and I guess our like our facial experience, uh, expressions and, you know, glasses and representation, but we're two totally different styles. Like she's like wearing like death metal shirts and covered in tattoos and things like that. And that's her, I guess that's her creative expression. And so we may not see it as a creative expression, whereas someone else does see that. And so where we're able to bring that creativity is understanding like, well, what does Pete want? Mm. How does Pete want to express himself? Well, he wants to present himself in X, Y, and Z. And, and that's how he feels comfortable. But that's your own creative expression. Because I, it probably, uh, I probably should have mentioned it earlier, but tell us about exactly you know, what Willow's Branding does to give yep. our listeners context here. Yeah, okay. So we have an apparel branding consulting business. So we take our clients to, uh, to their audience so they can be seen, heard and felt in that. But I guess in like simple words is that we help our clients to bring their own representation in front of their audience. So like, you know, on a Zoom, uh, is their business name displayed where they want to be able to be easily identified? So we put I normally say brand shit and I know it's not, it doesn't give what we do justice, but we ultimately help people be identified and seen in their exposure through the, through headwear, streetwear and workwear. It's interesting because in my experience of the business journey, like a lot of people start off businesses very operationally focused. They're good at doing something. So they do that instead of somebody else for themselves and they start a business. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, man, I'm going to get some sales. Mm. So then they focus on developing a sales process to, you know, get more conversion, to, to do more things. Yep. But then after that they're like, well, it's actually I need more leads to get into more sales to sell more things. Yep. So we're moving to the left on the customer journey. But after we go through, you know, getting good at our operations and getting good at our sales and then good at getting good at our marketing, we have this light bulb moment about our brand. And our brand really drives, you know, our marketing presence and who we actually are. And then coming back into that, you know, vision, mission and values, brand becomes super important, sometimes a lot later in consideration than it should. But mm. again, the ability to be able to now express who you are, not only in terms of, um, you know, from a business perspective, but literally what you're wearing and the way you present yourself to the world. Mm. So like, tell us some... How do you how do you go through the process like um, for pulling my personal brand out of me and getting it on you know to our our new uniform, our new apparel set? So there's a bit of a process that we take, Pete, which we we continually craft and hone and adapt and 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 change as as we develop in our experience, and so. Uh, the, the number one thing is that understanding, first of all, are we a good fit for, you know, Pete and his brand to be seen? And that comes down to uh, do you care about your what you're doing? It, like, you know, in a real simple sense. And then we go through a process of like we're not for everyone and uh, we work a little bit differently and we've got this thing called like a sorcery component. 
So sorcery, in other words, is like a consultation, but sorcery is, sounds like a witchcraft here, very opposite to military, right? So this sorcery component is to sit down with yourself and say, um, why did you start the business? And what's the importance of why you think you may want to be exploring even wearing your brand for one? Like, why is it important now? And do you see the value? So it, we go through a, a process with our clients to understand what it is that they need and then be able to make recommendations and suggestions based off that because you're busy, you know, doing everything that you need to do. So it's allowing someone else and having the trust in one another to say, these, these are our recommendations based on what you've said and this is these are our solutions for you. So. so it's not just a matter of like flicking you an email with my logo on a, you know, some kind of graphics yeah, and then pasting it onto a T-shirt and away we go. Yeah, so we're, we're not a print-on-demand company where they, though they have their places, but if you're wanting guidance of saying, you buy it like as an example of like saying, hey, you just you say, hey, I want this on a t-shirt and I send you a snow jacket. Well, yeah. you might be working in a flammable area that's really hot and the snow jacket's not going to be suitable for you, Pete. So it's yeah. like, well, we didn't know the information because we didn't ask. So yeah. it can come down to as simple as like, where are the uniforms being worn and it's it's not always necessarily diving into like the deep and meaningful stuff but it it's definitely there to make the connection of like you know you're representing yourself and that's where you want to wear it yeah or i, I send you like a, a um you know a, a toddler's t-shirt with your logo on and be like that's not what i asked for i'm like well you just asked for a logo on a shirt mate like you didn't say what you wanted and so that's and that's where that the sorcery of understanding your needs come into play yeah no, I like it because, you know, for me, it comes back down to being able to be, like, proud of who you are. I find that going through the business experience, particularly when you start something yourself, there's a level of worthiness that we have to get to in terms of being able to mm. be proud of some words that we are and be proud of our brand. You know, like, I swear if I ever, um, you know, my very first couple of years of business, if anyone said um, you're an entrepreneur, it would be like, I'd be embarrassed. I'm like, God, this sounds like such a, like, like such a wanker to even like think of yeah, me appreciating that word. You know, here we are down the track. We've started many businesses and it's just just our thing now. Yeah. Um, and I think your branding and the way you wear your brand is, is another kind of worthiness to just be out there and proud of the great work you're doing in business. Yeah. And, and like a, if I can just share a quick example with you. Is that okay? Yeah, please, yep. please. Wait. So... I, I did. We did this collaboration in 2021 and led into 2022 with a film director, uh, a young film director, and we did this collaboration where we'd make some products for her and she'd do do some filming. And it wasn't until we went through the process of saying, like, you know, why did you start the business and what are you wanting to achieve, that we were able to present a solution uh, with and for her where she didn't feel like it was just a logo anymore, a logo. You know, she felt connected to why she was doing it and then, you know, her film crew and things like that and having like a little simple message that connect and make it more approachable for like, you know, when they're at an event that people can come up and talk to them saying, we're here to share your story. And so like those little things come down to 
it didn't it became more than just a t-shirt for her now like she came reconnected with that message and felt really proud to wear it look i think it's um it's such a cool story and uh, that again uh presentation that sense of connection sense of identity now we used to wear we're talking about a little bit earlier the the military uniforms that mm. we used to wear now, such a part of our identity and who we felt we are and actually who you know, that identity capture at the time is really mm. significant. Um, and for me now, like my personal identity, again, revolves around you know, T-shirts and caps and, you know, this is really who I'm comfortable with, you know, in terms of my yeah. space and presenting myself. That's you know? great. And, so, and it's interesting in business about um, having that, now, there's a place for suits and ties and you know, protective wear, and, but being able to find an identity that matches who you are, particularly from your positioning and style perspective as a business. And mm. for, you know, in, in our business, my co-founder, um, now Matt Mosley, it is just a reflection of our personalities and to pretend to be someone that we're not by what we're wearing and the way that we uh, express ourselves in our, in our attire would be a, like a falsehood in terms of the, the expectation what they get out of our services yeah absolutely i just want to come back to the um the piece around words and language and uniform and and particularly the identifying with words i mentioned a little bit about entrepreneurship before mm. let me just unpack this word veteran a little um, yeah it's absolutely. a really quirky kind of annoying word because our grandparents are veterans and now, you're in your 30s, and I'm slightly just above that, just a little bit. You're only 33 now, aren't you, Pete? No, just, yeah, but that's what I tell yeah. myself, but, yeah, plus a little bit. But yeah. um, this word veteran, it's a, it's a funny word to connect with, isn't it? Mm. Tell me about your experience, um, you know, with connecting now to that lifestyle that was, you know, approximately 10 or so years ago and, and your journey with, bringing that life into this life and, and, and how you feel about that word. Yeah, it could be a little bit of a sore topic to talk about, but I'm happy to sort of dig into that a little bit. <clears throat> I think <clears throat> prior to, you know, six months ago and to now, being called a veteran was a really hard pill to swallow. And not feeling deserving of, this is only my, you know, my experience. I can't speak for other people. But uh, being called a veteran, yeah, it's coming to terms to, you know, the definition of what it is. In my mind, in my, um, my experience, is like the veterans were back in the day in the trenches and then going through that process and coming back, they were veterans. And I'm not taking away from anyone else's service. I want to be very, very clear there. But the term veteran when leaving, and I, I think maybe especially at, you know, certain ages or not fulfilling part of the, the journey or experience that maybe you had set out to do. And then being called a veteran is really hard to come to terms with. Um, and saying, well, I'm not a veteran, I'm not worthy of it, I didn't do that service. So, you know, being called a veteran in that respect can be 
all could be a challenging experience. And so to kind of go through that process to say, well, actually, I am a veteran, and I'm talking about the now, is has actually shed some light, actually speaking to you, Pete, over the last, you know, you know, just under two years of meeting you and being really shy to say that I was even in the military to begin with or, or hiding away the fact that I was in the military because I didn't want to ask the, I didn't want to be asked the questions, um, you know, what, where did you serve and things like that. Like, you know, it's a really personal thing that can be quite triggering for different people and, and leaving on different terms. So being called a veteran now, I'm coming to terms with it. It's like, well, yeah, I am a veteran. And is there a way that we can look at using the word veteran and reinvigorating what it is to have served and making that connection there? So if we, if we were to break down the, maybe some of the negative connotations that we personally have with it or other people, and you know, I'm not, I know I'm not the only person who feels this way spoken to many veterans and they there's a similar kind of feeling and experience about it and so maybe mm-hmm. it's time to shift maybe it's time to shift that you know shift the way we view it and honor honor it yeah it's such a it's such a personal and powerful moment you know like for me it's like an intense relationship that sometimes when you break up with it, you still sort of bury it down into your past. Uh, and it can be quite emotional thinking about it at that time because it has such a massive effect on you, you know, that mm. such a pivotal time in your life. You know, for me, like, uh, I, I struggle with the word as well, number one, because, again, it's so linked to our grandparents in World War II that, you know, marched down. And, and again, for you as, as um, I don't think you look, at all like a classic veteran you know you're you're a young woman um and i don't know do you march on anzac day or or wear medals or anything like that because i it's it's not for me that's just my personal choice but a lot of people wouldn't sit if they spoke to you at the pub on anzac day they'd be like oh, really mm, yeah it's so i don't march on anzac day anymore and the, you know, my service medals that I do have, there's even like a, a barrier to wear them on Anzac Day yeah, or to wear my veteran pin. Yeah. So to answer the question, Pete, no, I don't necessarily wear them, but I am pushing myself to acknowledge and I, I do bring out my service medal on Anzac Day now and and, and connect with it on a, a different level like that. And, like, you know, going to the pub on Anzac Day, yeah, no, it generally the response is like, oh, shit, what? You were a stoker? You're a mechanical fitter? Yeah, I was a long time ago. Don't ask me to fix shit now. Like, I'll do it in my own house. But um, so, yeah, like there's definitely a – a bit of a shock to people's systems. But once you start talking, I swear like a sailor, then it really comes out. <laughs> you know? Then it really then it really starts. And then it's like, oh yeah, now we can see why. 
back on board again. So first first appearances, not so much, but once you get me going, you can tell. <laughs> I think it's a really important thing, you know, on Anzac Day when you see um, you know, particularly young women wearing medals on their left, it doesn't mean that they've accidentally got it on the wrong side and it belongs to their grandparents. It may just belong to their own service, particularly with mm. what you know, Australia's had to do over the last 10 and 20 years. Mm. Um, and this word veteran, um, there is, it's, it's not a word that everyone's going to be comfortable with. But from my perspective, if you served at all at any time rank experience, length of time, it doesn't matter. There was a time in your life where you decided to leave your family, leave your friends uh, and serve. Mm. Um, and that in itself should be respected and acknowledged. And the other, the problem with veteranness as well, you know, talking about this stuff is it's like money or fitness. Like there's always someone that's going to be a little bit more wary. So for me, I was a logistics officer. So, you know, like I wasn't a warfighter. I'm not the one that's out the front, you know, searching for bombs and engaging with the enemy close or, you know, doing, you know, close combat or anything like that. So there's always a sort of sense of, you know, there's somebody better. But I think mm. it's a really important time for us to sort of just acknowledge now, those around us who have served and just be comfortable that for a time and a place in our life, it was something that was really special to us. Mm. So having said that, there's a powerful connection between excert, let's call ourselves, ex-service people now, and yep. it's amazing propensity to do business. So, mm. for example, um, if you find uh, someone who's had this commitment in service and you know, that has courage, respect, initiative, teamwork, these kind of values that are infused in us from the military, you get this stuff from a veteran business owner. Like they, you mentioned still serving uh, a little bit earlier. I really am passionate about believing that one of the core essences of military mindset is this service and delivery of great product. Mm -hmm. um, is this something that, that, you know, you feel passionate about in your business? Oh, that's a question. Is it something? Yeah, the relatability. Absolutely, Pete. You know, as you were mentioning, you know, honor, honest, honor, honesty, integrity, courage. All that came to my mind was in recruit school, standing there under the banners, going, like, you know, just like yelling out those things. Yeah. So, you know, bringing that into the business world, I think it's, um, <clears throat> I thought about this early, actually, Pete is that I think there's a lot of things that ex-service personnel do who become business owners or or a part of running a business or whatever it may be, and is that there's probably a lot of things that we do that just seem normal to us that we don't really necessarily give credit or association with being in the military. And so you know, like the application of how that comes into the business world is, uh, you know, from my experience, I'm only just starting to sort of identify and after having more conversations with other veteran business owners and very sparingly at the moment, but I look forward to having more of them, is that I think like one thing I said earlier is like, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. Yeah. And like, my partner is also ex-military as well. And he's got the same principle behind, like, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. 
And I've said it to civilians. They're like, what? I'm like, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're fucking late. Like, where are you kind of thing? But, you know, that, that joke aside is what sort of elements do we bring from that experience into the business world? I think there's a sense of focus. I think that there's a sense of let's get this shit done. Let's not fuck around. Let's, my sailorness is coming out in me now. <laughs> i gotta got to keep it. Get We've it. got a little E on our, we've got a little E in a box on our podcast. So oh, so explicit. Yeah, I am being tame. So there's like all these different components of structure, order, systems that come into play that we apply into business. Yeah. So it's the order coming through. And it's funny because I'm also a creative as well. So there's like this conflict of being super, super structured, but needing to be super flexible as well. Um, and so bringing those and marrying that into a business sense has been really beneficial to acknowledge. I think for me is this, desire to succeed and also a desire to do the right job, I get uh, a level of anxiousness or uh, a level of, you know, great personal discomfort if we're not operating on an elite level for our customers and doing, you know, the best job possible. You know, yeah, think, attention to detail. Yeah, you know, and it's something that if we, if something that we're about to deliver is just not on the market's, it's that thing, you know, like I was always someone that was lived in an almost state of perpetual fear in the military of letting people down or turning up late or, you know, mm -hmm. oh, it, it's and that same thing is definitely carried across in terms of trying to do a great job. So I think yeah. when you're looking to procure, you know, I'm, I'm a champion of veteran uh, procurement because if you want someone who's, they might not, uh, this is a bit of a funny saying, but when you engage a veteran business owner, they may not be the best, but they will do their best. And mm. this is a really important thing because do you want a company that is going to be you know, satisfied with doing you know, substandard work to slip it through and then you know, fix it up later? Mm. But I've, I'm yet to meet a veteran you know, community business owner that doesn't give their best. And when you get, if you, when you get that into your supply chain partner you know, business relationship system, yeah. it's super powerful. Yeah, and to tack on to that, Pete, the like that precision that goes into the production and, you know, from my business experience is that there's so much attention to detail. There's yeah. measurements, you know, uh, measure twice, cut once. It doesn't get sent out unless it's right. Or if it gets sent out and there's a mistake, it's like there's there's full ownership of that taking responsibility to rectify that. Like the importance of clear communication is definitely one of those things that come into play. Like always be communicating. And But your sorcery um, is a deliberate process as well, is that you've been able to capture what makes your business special by applying you know, structure and process and consistency yeah. because you know that by following those steps, you're going to understand what the client needs to give them the great product at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And and through to the like the the double check of an address before sending it out to the client because they could have moved. 
They could have need. They could have changed office. They could have done this. They could have done that. And so, taking that key step measure is absolutely necessary in the the process that we take to make sure it gets the client. Be brilliant at the basics. You get that right, and then you basically, you know, yeah, you're ninety percent of the way there. Yeah. Um, now, tell us how do we get in touch with Willow's branding? Um, if you want uniforms done, what kind of uniforms you know fit your mold? Who needs to come and see you for their branding and uniform needs? So we cater from one-man bands up until corporate entities. Ultimately, it depends on do you want quality, clear communication, and a badass service where you don't mind a little bit of swearing. Yeah. Um, and do you want to be... Do you want to take your existing presentation to a level of consistency? Then, you know, we may be a good fit. We're not for everyone. We go through that process of if you're willing to spend the time at the start to get it right and then have a reliable uh, communication and supplier from there on in, then we're the people for you. Well, practicing what we preach, we're going to use Willow's branding for our. Uh, apparel needs to be able to share our image and to be able to get who we are out onto the uniforms to be able to to be able to build a sense of team and build a sense of connection and a sense of pride into in terms of who we are as a business so having you know started the process with Nat and the Willows team um, you know absolutely recommend get in touch with them uh, Nat this is number one thanks for being um, a little bit vulnerable and talking about a few things here it's um you know, I hope I didn't press too many buttons in terms of, you know, uh, but I appreciate you being honest and sharing because you are absolutely not alone. And I would suggest um, you're probably in the majority rather than the minority, you know, in terms of how people feel about, you know, their veteranness and their connection to military service. I appreciate your time to have me on here, Pete. And it's, yeah, it, it is definitely an honour to, step up and out and own the fact that you know it was a part of my life and it continues to be a part of my life in a different way and to be able to share that with other people who may feel the same and yeah like you know not alone in that process so let's keep so on how, do we, how do we get in touch with you and willow's branding throw us a pipe oh. so just go to www.willowsbranding.com and then there's a link to connect with us on there Perfect. All, all on LinkedIn under Nat Coco, N-A-T-K-O-K-O. No worries. Well, we'll throw those in the show notes for everyone. Thanks for, um, thanks for joining today, Nat, and thanks for everyone for listening to Military Mindset for Business. Do that click-like-share thing. Uh, you know, it always helps us out, and we're here to help you out. Um, Pete Liston, out. <laughs>